I'm so glad to see you girls here because when I walked in and the room was empty, I thought that last session with Sally and Lindsay was so good, everybody just went home. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here. Okay, open up in your Bibles to Exodus 35. And while you're turning, I just have to say am I the only one who has really tight pants on that weren't tight a couple days ago? <laughs> We were actually, my husband and I, we went on a, on a week-long cruise, and it was the last day of the cruise, and he was outside up on the deck reading his Bible, and, and this lady comes out, and she says to her husband, my pants, I haven't worn them since the first day of the cruise, and they're tight. Do you think that the humidity could have shrunk them? <laughs> I am here to say that the mountain air has shrunk my pants. <laughs> All right, Exodus chapter 35. Oh, and I do also have to say one more thing. I was studying for the comfort satisfaction, which is your next session in your notebook, and God told me to switch it. So I don't mean to do this, but I'm so sorry. So now if you want to go to the next session, which is comfort deliberation, yeah, I can say that word, comfort deliberation, and take notes there, then tomorrow morning we're going to talk about satisfaction. I like to be like so orderly, and God's always just kind of messing with me, just to, you know... <laughs> Keep me on my toes. <laughs> so Exodus chapter 35, and let's pray. Lord, we come before you tonight. God, we are so thankful for all that you have done in our hearts. Lord, truly I feel like we have just eaten at a buffet and eat and eat and eat of your word, God, and food. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your greatness. We thank you that you have a calling for each one of us, that each one of us is part of your body, that you've created us for a purpose. God, we come to you for our marching orders. We come to you to find out why you've created us and what you've created us for. We want to know you deeper, God. We want to be met by you. We want to be used by you. So, Lord, I pray you would be in this time tonight, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, come for deliberation. And the base of the word deliberation is deliberate. And the word deliberate means an intentionality into figuring something out. And I thought, what better word than for you and I to have an intentionality of figuring out why does God have us on this earth? We have been created for a purpose. We have been created for his good pleasure. And we have a place in the body of Christ and a way that God wants to use each one of us. And when I was thinking about the word come, this is one of the, the areas that I kept coming back to. That when I say to someone, come here, or to my kids, can you come here? A lot of times it's because I have something for them to do. I've got a job for them. I've got something that they would be perfect at. And when God says to us, come here, often it's because he has something for us. He wants to do something in our lives. He wants us to do something for the kingdom of God. And you know, I hear sometimes, oh, well, God doesn't talk to me. And, and, and my husband is always so gracious to say, 
what was the last thing that God asked you to do and did you do it? Because I know that if I have somebody and I keep asking them to do something and they don't do it, well, I'm probably going to stop asking them. So this comfort deliberation, it goes hand in hand with obedience. It goes hand in hand with a willingness It goes hand in hand with seeking him for what he has called you to do. In Acts chapter 13, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then they, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Paul and Barnabas here were gathered together to do worship, to be in a time of prayer together with the church. And it was in that moment that the Lord said, I want you to separate them to me. I have something for them to do. I have a work for them to accomplish. Paul and Barnabas found God's perfect will in a time of prayer and worship. And to be honest, when I was switching over to this study for tonight, God kept telling me there are girls in there that I want to be in ministry and they're not. They're not. And God is calling you into ministry. And that could be in whatever capacity. I was talking to um, my son. He's so cute, and he's 13, and he's so cute, and so hyper, and so cute. And um, and we were driving, and I don't even remember what I said. I don't think it was that bad. And he said, can I talk to you really quick? You talk a lot about me like being a pastor and being in the ministry, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to be a teacher like Dad. I want to be a worship leader. And I was like, okay, we're driving in the car, okay. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to be in ministry. And I said, okay, well, can I just tell you one thing? That regardless of what you do, you need to know that I hope you're still in ministry. That if you're a banker, if you're a lawyer, which you'd make a really good one right now, if you're a lawyer, if whatever you're called to do, we're called to be in ministry. We're called to walk into a place, into a store, into a Starbucks, into a theater, into anywhere. And we're called to say, God, how do you want to use me today? To use me in this situation, to use me with these people. God, would you give me a divine appointment today? Would you give me something to do today? And I think the biggest thing that I feel, and maybe you feel it too, is just a huge sense of inadequacy. Every time God says, I want you to go talk to those people, it's like the heart, right? The heart and every excuse in the book that you can think of to not talk to them. I don't think they like me. I think they're really busy. I think I have to go potty. I mean, just (laughs) anything. And that's why I love the Word of God so much. I love the Word of God, and I love to read biographies because you see people who are ordinary, who are weak, who are inadequate, who are tired, who are human, just like us. And yet you see this powerful God who works in and through them to accomplish great and mighty things. I love that James tells us, Elijah, he was just an ordinary man like you, but he prayed. And that's like something tangible that I can do. That's like, I can do that. I can pray. And you see this amazing, extraordinary, powerful God who is able to work in ordinary people 
people and you just think, maybe this could be done in me too. I remember during a time where my husband was gone a lot and he was traveling when we were, we were in Texas for six years and then we moved back to Vista, like I told you guys last night, and we didn't have a pastor to take over the church in Texas. And what he felt like the Lord wanted him to do was to fly back and forth every other weekend. And so he was teaching every other Sunday at Vista and the other Sunday he would fly back to our church in Texas and he would teach live and then he he would pre-record the next study on video. And so that's what they would watch during that time. And he also, I think that summer, he did like 18 or 19 camps and men's retreats also. And so he was gone so much. And I'm so with Lindsay, like this whole dark and shadow, like God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so I don't know what this whole sleeping with the lights off and the moon coming out and it's dark. Like, no, let's just keep it sunny. I can't wait until heaven when there's no night there. And so I would lay there and I would be so scared and it was like every other weekend and I'm thinking, God, if you wanted to design him to where he loves so much, why wouldn't you make me so much braver than I am right now? And I remember reading a biography about a lady named Marie Munson and she was a prisoner on a pirate ship in China. And I just remember laying there reading thinking, okay, if she could be a prisoner on a pirate ship in China, I think I can make it through the night. I think, I think I can. And so you have this God who takes these ordinary people, right? Isn't that what 1 Corinthians tells us? The weak to confound the wise, the shameful. It's so funny to hear people say, I'm used so greatly of God. It's like, have you read Corinthians? Do you know what that means about you? You know that means like you're weak and you're shameful and you're foolish, right? And God takes us in our weakness and our shamefulness and our foolishness and our inadequacies and he works a great working through us so that he can receive all the glory. In Exodus chapter 35, it says in verse 21, starting in verse 21, actually let's go ahead and start in 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23, every man with whom was found blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate, the spices and the oil for the light, for the anointing oil, for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. 
And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Verse 31, And has filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic wood workmanship. And he's put it in his heart, the ability to teach in him Aholiab, the son of Ahim, the tribe of Dan. He's filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And Bezalel, chapter 36, verse 1, Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall come do a according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. So you have this thing where God has just spent chapters telling Moses exactly what needs to be done. And then he calls all the people to come. He says, I've gifted you in that. I filled you with the spirit for that. Will you come and be the hands of the vision that I have given Moses? And I love that it begins with their willing heart. He says, if your heart is willing to come, come. If your heart is willing to come, God will stir you to something. You might not even know what that is, but maybe you're standing, you're saying, God, I'm willing. I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? Oh, he's going to put you to work. Have you ever had somebody who says to you, can I do anything for you today? If my kids said that to me, I might drop down on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to use a person like that. I don't know many people who say, oh, no, no, no. I've got it all covered in my entire life. There's no need to help me at all. If somebody's heart is willing, oh, they're going to be put to work. God is going to and fro looking for women whose hearts are willing before him. It was the word of God that they have heard. And they called, they heard the call of God to come and they brought what they had. God stirred their hearts and they brought what they had. This is the lasting work with the heavenly reward. When we bring our all to Jesus, when we come and say, I'm here to serve you, whatever you want me to do, whatever your job might be, whatever your title might be, if in that job, if in that title, you come to the Lord and you say, I'm here, will you just use me how you want to use me? Oh, that is the work with a lasting heavenly reward. Coming to serve God is like doing double duty because we get paid here by the blessing of just being used by God and then we get paid in eternity in heaven. I can't even believe that he's going to pay us in heaven with crowns and glory. Can you even believe that? I mean, we come to him so foolish, so weak, so inadequate and we say, God, can you use me at all? And he says, I can. I'm going to work through you and in you and for you and And then he rewards us for it in heaven? Really? That seems crazy to me. 
These Israelites were willing to serve God in whatever capacity he called them to. And they were gifted. They were gifted by specificity. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God has made each one of us a certain member in his body. That we all need each other. That the eyes can't say to the nose, I don't need you, because then where would the smelling be? And the, the ears can't say to the mouth, I don't need you, because then where would the, the talking be? It says it the opposite, but that's okay. And, you know, I really understand this right now. Because my mom, um, for those of you who don't know, I know some of you guys know my parents in here, but my dad's the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Tel Aviv, and my parents are missionaries in Israel. It's Stephen and Pat Apple. I think that you guys have, some of you from um, Bible Fellowship have done some stuff with them in Israel. And my mom was walking with my grandma on Mother's Day at the zoo because that's what my grandma wanted to do. And there was some uneven ground and my grandma's kind of wobbly. So my mom was watching her to make sure that my grandma didn't fall and my mom fell. And and then my grandma said, I'll go find somebody. Well, she didn't think that every single person in the zoo would have a walkie-talkie. And she knew that she had seen a, a service desk somewhere. So my mom's sitting by the giraffes, and my grandma's wandering around the zoo. And she was gone for 30 minutes, and so my mom's just sitting on the curb, and finally the giraffe lady comes over and says, are you okay? Do you need help? I know the giraffe lady. And um, see, Lori told you I can hear everything up here, the giraffe lady. And so um, she comes over, and they get my mom help, and they get her to the desk. Well, they find my grandma, and she's like laying down somewhere because she's dehydrated because it's the (laughs) desert, and it's the zoo. And so my mom ended up breaking her left leg, or her left ankle. She broke her right leg, and she tore a ligament in her right leg. And she sprained her wrists and scratched them up. And she scratched her whole face up also, and hurt her back. And her face ended up getting infected with all the scratches. And so she was just a mess. And this is in the middle of my husband, and some of you girls were so sweet to ask, um, last year when I was here at your retreat, he had just lost vision in his left eye and had to get surgery, and um, I won't go into detail about it because it's kind of crazy if some of your kids were at junior high or high school camp with him, they got to hear it all because it's really more of a junior high and high school camp story, but essentially they took his eye out, but he had to be awake, and so he could see like out of this eye and out of that eye. And he said he was like a lizard. That's all I'll get into. So the left eye is better, but now six months ago, the right eye lost vision. And so now he's having to go through the same thing with the right eye, and we're scheduling surgery soon. And, you know, between my mom and my husband... I'm truly understanding that without the tiniest little member of your body, the whole body is missing something. And can I just say to you that if you're in here and God has been prompting your heart to serve him in a certain way, your church body is lacking if you haven't done it yet. Our bodies need every tiny little part. Just because there's a little fracture in a bone, it doesn't make a leg okay. Just because an eye is over here, it doesn't make your vision okay. We need you 
to be serving where God has called you to serve. And so he called these people with specificity. The ones who had acacia wood, they brought their acacia wood. The ones who knew how to dye linen, they came and dyed linen. They didn't come in and say, okay, listen, I'm here to serve, but I want this acacia wood to be used for that pillar. They came in with their acacia wood and they said, wherever you want to be used, wherever you want it to be used for, they brought it for anything. They spun yarn, they spun goat's hair, they did whatever Moses needed them to do according to their giftings. God had gifted them, their hearts were stirred, their hands were willing, and they came to serve when God called them. All the women whose hearts were stirred, I love it, with wisdom and understanding are the ones who spun goat hair. Now, I've never personally spun goat hair. I would imagine that it does take an element of wisdom and understanding. But I love that it wasn't enough just to be gifted. It wasn't enough just to have the know-how. They had to have the Spirit of God upon them. They had to have his spirit of wisdom and understanding. And sometimes we can come in thinking, oh, I know how to do that. I've got this. I've done it a thousand times. Can we just remember that without the spirit of God upon us, we have nothing of value to offer. Do you remember when the apostles weren't having enough time to give the widows and to serve them at their table and they needed to spend their time in the teaching of the word of God and the studying. The widows were crying out for more attention. They chose men, it tells us in Acts, to wait on the tables of the widows so that they could have more time to give to the word of God. But they didn't just pick anyone they wanted to or grab anyone who could do it. They sought men who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They sought men who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, having my grandma live with me right now, I understand why maybe you need the Holy Spirit to live with a widow. I get it. But we need the Holy Spirit and wisdom to do anything that he calls us to do. To wait on tables, to spin yarn, we have to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. To serve in children's ministry, to make a necklace, to hang a bird lantern thing. I don't know what it's called, bird cage. Since they're like over our heads, thank you for having the Holy Spirit and wisdom as you hung those up there. There is nothing ordinary about anything that we do for God. Serving Jesus makes something that would be so ordinary, so plain, it turns it into a holy task that he will reward us for when it's done for his glory and by his spirit. So what do you do in your church? How do you serve in your home? What is your responsibility in your family, at your work, in your school? If you're just doing it to do it, oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. He says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord and not unto man. Has God called you to come for children's ministry? 
Would you do it with the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Has God called you to decorate? Would you do it with the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Has God called you to clean the bathrooms? We all say thank you. Would you do it with the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Vacuuming the church, the Holy Spirit and wisdom. It is not just another responsibility but it can be a ministry of Christ that he will reward you for greatly when done unto his glory with his spirit and by his wisdom. Don't do anything just to do it. Pray for wisdom. Pray for the ministry. Pray for his spirit. He says, come because he's got something for you to do and he wants to reward you for it when it's done his way by his spirit in his wisdom and for his glory when we come to him for deliberation when we come to him for direction god turns the most menial and ordinary task into a great work for him And doesn't it all begin with prayer? I was praying desperately on the way up the mountain because I still get so scared every time I teach. And I still can't stand every Bible study that I teach. As soon as I'm done teaching, I call my husband. It was so bad. It was so bad. They're not coming back. It's so awful. And I'm driving up the mountain desperately seeking God. And he says to my heart, I really wish that you would seek me so desperately when you're just homeschooling your children. And I'm thinking, oh yeah isn't that our tendency when we have those big things that we consider to be big things oh we are on our faces before the lord but when it's just the day in day out tasks don't we just kind of do them it's kind of easy we've done it before but when you read through the word or when you know situations of people who have fallen away from the lord or fallen into sin never those big moments that they fall into sin. It's the day in, day out, slow, compromising tasks. Would we seek God to roll a burrito at church as desperately as we do to teach a Bible study? We need to have everything that we do tilled with prayer. Do you remember the parable of the sower of the seeds? And there's different types of soil that the seeds fall on. And a good gardener doesn't just scatter the seed. They prepare the soil first. And you and I, when we're serving God, we can't just scatter the seed of service. Oh, if we would till that soil with prayer We wouldn't believe how much it would accomplish. And this is hard for me. I'm not like a prep work person, you know? Like if I get an idea, it's like, oh, that's a good idea. Let me just do it. Let me just paint my bathroom blue really quick. (laughs) I don't like prep work. I want to just do it when I get the vision. I don't like to weed before I plant something. I just want to plant and assume that the desire to weed will come upon me later. I don't want to tape anything before I paint. That seems so ridiculous. I'm sure I can get those lines fine, or maybe I'll just paint over it later. So just don't look up when you walk into my house. (laughs) 
And this can sometimes be how you and I approach God. He puts an idea on our heart, and we're the opposite of Esther. There's no waiting for three days and fasting and prayer. It's like, boom, and we've done it already. Isn't that kind of what Moses did? God puts in his heart, you're going to be the deliverer of Israel. Killed an Egyptian. Let's go. Where's the others? (laughs) He was ready to go. And often this is how we can be. It's enough that I'm doing children's ministry. I don't have time to get there early for prayer. It's enough that I'm doing this. I don't have time to stop and pray for it. But we need to remember that prayer softens the soil of everything that we pour into. And that prayer multiplies the work of everything that we do. Do we approach our responsibilities as sacred callings of God or as ordinary tasks? Because doesn't that change your entire perspective? If you go into something, anything, small or big, and you think of it as a holy calling, oh, it changes your entire perspective. And sometimes I wonder if that isn't why God had Moses take his shoes off at the burning bush. It's like, okay, before we even get started, you got to know this is a holy place. This is a sacred calling. And maybe that's why Lindsay didn't wear shoes for so long. Is that why? (laughs) Maybe we shall be barefoot. My shoes are too hard to get off. Sorry. And some of your feet might stink. I don't know. (laughs) When you and I approach the most menial of tasks as a sacred calling of God, it changes our entire perspective. These women made the ordinary heavenly by approaching it with wisdom. I'm sure there was hundreds of thousands of women who were spinning with goat hair in that day. But there was only a certain group of women who were doing it by the wisdom of God with his spirit. Who do you want to be? There's a hundred employees at your office, maybe. There's a thousand moms. There's a hundred thousand wives. There's a ton of widows. Do you want to be the one who just does it to do it? Or do you want to be the one who approaches it as a holy calling from God? And I love that it says in chapter 36, verse 3, I think I stopped one verse too early. It says in 36.3 that they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. I love that. What did that look like? A free will offering brought every morning. Isn't that what you and I are called to do? Do we bring ourselves every morning to God as a free will offering? My tendency is sometimes to come with an agenda. All right, Lord, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. How are you going to assist me in these things? How are you going to help me? (laughs) And I don't mean to, and I don't actually say those words, but isn't that kind of where we go without actually saying those words? Would we come with that free will offering, Lord, I'm your free will offering. That living sacrifice that he calls us to be in Romans, that sacrifice to him. It is essential to bring a free will offering of ourself every morning if we want to be used by God 
to come, to come for deliberation, to come for your assignment. And I love that they had offerings in abundance, that they had too much. And isn't that how it always is? That when God is working, when we are stirred, when he's speaking and we're doing what he commands, obeying the leadership, listening to his voice, doesn't it always result in abundance? It always results in abundance of joy in our lives. It always results in abundance of ministry at church. It always results in abundance of salvation of those getting saved. When we come just to serve, there is no end to what God can do. He's a giving God. And in our little God gives much. You think about those things that they were bringing, those rings, those earrings. Those are tiny little things. How do they even keep track of those walking through the wilderness? And God gives much in their free will offering. And I always think about Moses, you know, just being out in the middle of the wilderness. And God's telling him for chapters and chapters and chapters what it needs to look like, what needs to happen, how it's going to be. And I just wonder if Moses wasn't just a little overwhelmed in hearing about all the things that are supposed to be made with the jewels, all the things that were supposed to be made with the acacia wood, all the things that were supposed to be made with the gold. I wonder if there wasn't a couple days where Moses just kind of looked up and said, You remember we're out in the middle of nowhere, right? (laughs) There's no Hobby Lobby, Home Depot, or Lowe's. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We're out in the middle of the wilderness. And I grew up hearing sweet Pastor Chuck say, where God guides, God provides. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're called to. If God calls you to it, he's going to provide everything that you need. When we are obeying the voice of the Lord, listening to his commands, and seeking to do all that he's desiring to do, an abundance for your calling will always be provided. It might not always seem like an abundance, but it will always be enough. I remember talking to my friend a couple years ago, and her and her husband were out starting a Calvary Chapel. And I called her. She was on my heart. And I called her and I said, how are you doing? And she burst into tears. And she said, I have no money and I just want some coffee creamer. And she just wanted coffee creamer. And I thought, you know, we always want to solve it. I'm like, I'll send it to you. I know you're three states away, but if you'll just hold on, it'll get there in enough time. But instead, because I couldn't just supply the need right away, my daughter and I hung up the phone and we prayed. I said, Lord, would you just provide for my friend coffee creamer? She just wants coffee creamer. She called me five minutes later. They had had a Christmas party at their house, and someone had left creamer in her refrigerator in the back of something that was in her refrigerator, and it was just a tablespoon, but it was enough for that day. And how exciting that I got to be a part of it in prayer. Prayed for coffee creamer. Somewhere in heaven, I've got my prayed for coffee creamer reward. And I can't wait to see it. God always provides. It might not look like abundance, but it's always 
enough. We will never be lacking. Psalm 37, 25, David says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. God always provides, always provides. And you look at these Israelites and you think, well, where did they get all this stuff? Where did they get all this gold? Where did they find all this acacia wood? I mean, were they out like, what were they doing? Do you remember when God led them out of Egypt? And basically they plundered the Egyptians, it says. That the Egyptians were like giving them gifts. Just go. Just get out. God didn't give that to them for them just to carry around rings and earrings and gold in the desert. God provided that because he wanted to use it. He knew what he wanted to do. He had a plan for it. It wasn't stuff that they had earned. It was stuff that they had miraculously been given. And you and I have freely received gifts and callings for the body of Christ. And those who freely have received are called to freely give. What are you talented in? What is your heart stirred toward? You freely received it. Would you freely give it back to God? Would you freely give it to him? I love that it says in verse 23 and verse 24, um, and we're just going to read it again. Every man with whom is found blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of rams, badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered a silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering and everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service, they brought it. They brought it. They had it. So they brought it. Every man who was found, they brought it. God stirred their hearts and they came to serve. God has given each one of you in this room some form of gold, of scarlet, of tapestry, of thread, something that may seem so tiny and so insignificant to you, but God wants to use it. He wants to use it. He gave it to you for the purpose of building the heavenly kingdom. He knows exactly what he wants to use it for. Every trait and gifting that you have serves a purpose in the body of Christ. I love to see my old high school teachers. I graduated from Calvary Chapel Vista School. And so I love to go back and to see them and say, look, I'm using my gift of talking. (laughs) All those notes that you sent home. (laughs) All those times that you sent me into the hallway. It wasn't a naughtiness. It was a gift of God. (laughs) My mom has a, a... Note from my English teacher who says, Christy's a great student, but she has a giggle, tee-hee, talkie-talkie problem. <laughs> and now I get paid to giggle, tee-hee, talkie-talkie. <laughs> what do you have? What has God given you? What are you gifted in? What do you like to do? Some people, I say, folding tablecloths, and they say, I love that. I'm so excited. I am so thankful for the folding tablecloths people in my church, because I have no idea. Like, you make a triangle out of a circle, and then you, like, make a 
that shape, like a pie, and, and I don't even know, and then you hang it on a hang, like I don't even get it. And there are people who are gifted at folding tablecloths, and they're amazing. There are people who are so gifted. What do you like to do? I guarantee that you don't just like to do it because you just like to do it. You like to do it because God put that in you. Because God wants to use it. And what breaks my heart about reading Exodus chapter 35 is that they had just had this incident with the golden calf. You remember that incident? Where Moses is on the mountain in the face-to-face glory with God that, again, I'm just a little jealous about. Receiving commandments with the written finger of God. What did that look like? Did he see the finger? Did he like not see the finger, but just saw the words being written? I just want to know these things. <laughs> Lindsay wants to buy flowers. I just want to know the details. <laughs> and the people came to Aaron and they said, would you make us a God? We don't even know what happened to this man, Moses. And Aaron says, okay, well, just bring me all your gold. Bring me all your gold, all that gold that they had gotten from the Egyptians. He says, bring me all your gold. So they brought to him earrings, they brought to him nose rings, all the stuff that they brought to the tabernacle here, a good chunk of the people had already brought a lot of it to Aaron to make a golden calf. And Aaron fashioned this calf and declared, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. And Moses comes down the mountain and he sees the dancing and the idolatrous worship of the golden calf. And he says to Aaron, the people are unrestrained because you haven't restrained them. And then I love it. He grinds the golden calf into powder, puts it in the water and makes them drink it. I just love Moses. He's totally like a wash your mouth out with soap kind of mom. Who would even think about that? I'm going to grind the calf, put it in your water, drink it. Like, that's a creative punishment. Like, a book needs to be written on Parenting Moses style. I don't think it would fly, though. And I was thinking when I read this passage, when Moses says to the Israelites, bring me all your stuff for the tabernacle of God, God knew what he was just about to make when those people brought the gold to Aaron right before this. He knew what he had planned for it. He knew what he wanted to do. And I was thinking about God's perspective. He must have been so sorrowful because he knew the beauty that he wanted this gold to go to. He knew the beauty that he had. He knew the reason that he had given it to them. And he knew that it was about to be ground into powder and they were going to have to drink it. And he also knew the lasting beauty of the tabernacle. He knew that he was just about to stir their hearts. He knew that he was just about to give them a willing mind to come and serve him. But right before God used it, Satan tricked them into wasting it with lust. Satan tricked them into wasting it with distraction. And there's nothing new under the sun. Isn't that the same thing he tries to do with us every day? What God has put in us to use for his glory, Satan wants to deceive us and to trick us to use for ourselves or to use for this world. He takes the talents or free blessings that God has given us and he tries to trick us into wasting them on worldly pleasure that won't last and will make us sickly in the end. And the beginning of this whole section of scripture so struck me this year. 
It said that when the people saw that Moses was delayed in his coming, that's when they went to Aaron. When Moses was delayed in coming back, that's when they went to Aaron. See, don't forget our verses that the spirit and the bride say, come. And then Jesus in the end says, behold, I'm coming quickly. And sometimes we can think, okay, well, this was like 2,000 years ago. Define quickly. (laughs) Day with the Lord is this 1,000 years. I don't know. But it was when Moses delayed his coming. They had been waiting. They had been watching. They had been wanting to do something great for the kingdom of God, but it just kind of took so long. They had heard the glory. They had seen the thunder. They had seen the lightning. They had seen Moses go up there. But then it got kind of quiet, and Moses delayed his coming. People got tired of waiting. So they gave their gold to the world to make a silly calf. Their gold that was just about to be used for a tabernacle unto the Lord that would be remembered forever. And you and I have to watch out for that same danger. Maybe when you first got saved, oh, there was the thunder, there was the lightning. Maybe you got saved last night and there was the thunder and the lightning in your heart. And you were so close to Jesus and you just couldn't get enough of his word. You just couldn't get enough of being in church, of worship, of his presence like we talked about last night. You heard about the rapture. I mean, I remember in high school, we were doing rapture drills. Rapture drill. Don't be that. I'm going to be there first. (laughs) And everybody would say, watch. And you would look up. And everybody thought, oh, the rapture can't happen, or the rapture's going to happen before Chuck Smith dies. It's been almost four years now. He's gone. Still hasn't happened. And it can get a little bit monotonous. Because we're taught, aren't we, to live every day as though it's our last that the rapture could happen at any second, that any moment could be your last. But sometimes we don't think to talk about the fact that we could have another 80 years. Are we also in it for the long haul? Are we living as though every moment could be our last, but are we also willing to wait for the next 40, 50, 60 years with perseverance, with steadfastness, with a passion, with a purpose for God? We can't get distracted when Jesus delays his coming because he's coming. He said, behold, I'm coming quickly. They would have multiplied their gold in heaven had they brought it to the tabernacle, but they wasted it on a calf right before God was going to use it. And I wonder if when God stirred their hearts here, if there were some who were stirred but they had nothing left to give because they had already given it. I wonder if they had just thought, oh, if I had just saved my gold for the Lord. See, God wants to use every one of you in this room. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, what your past was like, what you did yesterday. God wants to transform us every day and use us for his glory. And his, he is coming Our time is short. And I loved what Lindsay was saying earlier. Can we just be warned by others? What was it? You don't have to get hit by a train to tell people not to play on the tracks. Is that it? Yes. So using that line. Thank you. Thank you. We don't have to do it. I have a story similar to Lindsay's. I was brought up in a Christian home. 
bunch of my friends went and did drugs and drank alcohol, and I was always a little too scared of my dad, which is good, which is so funny because he's like the most passive man. I don't know why I was scared of him. He's so sweet. But I just never, never went astray. I never felt the need to taste the world. I, I just stayed so close to Jesus. And there was a time in my life where I thought, oh, I just don't have a testimony. People would say, could you give your testimony? I don't have one. Oh, no, I have a testimony that I was kept by the blood of Jesus, by his grace. And I pray that same thing for my kids because we don't have to do it on our own. We can learn the mistakes from others. We can learn the mistakes from these Israelites who wasted what God had given them right before God wanted to use it. We don't have to learn the hard way. We were here at um, family camp. Maybe it was three years ago now. And my son was on the diving board. (laughs) And he was doing a backflip off. Let me tell you, the problem was that he had been doing backflips on the trampoline. And so he did a backflip on the diving board. And some of you staff members are going, oh, that was her son. He did a a backflip on the diving board and he landed on his face on the diving board and just scraped the whole thing. And I think it's sweet little Elijah, who's a server in there. He does double duty as a lifeguard and is very good at fixing faces. And so my son actually said to him this year, he said, thanks for fixing my face, because he's got this like deep voice now. <laughs> and I don't know that, that he remembered him at all, but maybe he does, and he's scarred for life. I don't know. But he scraped his entire face. I mean, it was crazy. God was so gracious, because it went all the way from here to here, but it stopped right on his eyelid. It went all the way from the bottom of his eyelid, all the way on his nose, but it didn't break his nose. It went all the way to his lips, started again at his lips, but it didn't break his teeth, and it went all the way down there. So if you have to scrape your face on a diving board, it was a good way to do it. <laughs> but he didn't have much skin left, and I remember after, and then that night, my daughter like trips on the little snow stairs and scrapes her knee. I'm like, everybody just freeze and stop bleeding. Stop bleeding. No more. But so Jonathan, just talking about the diving board, he said, They should really tell people not to do that. And I said, but I think there's a sign in the pool that says no backflips. I think there is. And he goes, oh, well, maybe they should take a picture of my face and put it up on the sign. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe they should. (laughs) So staff, if you want a picture of his face, I've got it. We don't have to experience it. We can read and hear, even though there's no Instagram pictures of like Moses grinding it up. Wouldn't that be so great? I wish there was a video of like them having to drink the gold water. Oh, I hope there's videos in heaven. We can just learn from reading. We don't have to learn from experiencing. And maybe you're in here and you say, too late. Too late. I already learned from the experience. The good thing is that God says that his mercies are new every day. Every day. Like if you made your mistake yesterday, new day. That God makes all things new. You are never beyond using. You know why? Because you were created to be used. And so God planted that seed in you of whatever he wants to use. And he's just waiting for you to be ready. He's waiting for you to come and say, okay, 
here for deliberation. I'm deliberately here to find out how you want to use me. I'm deliberately here to find out what you want to do with my life. Are you and I storing our rewards up in heaven? Are we letting our hearts be stirred by God to be used by God? Have we kept our reward in heaven where moth can't destroy and thieves can't steal it? We're about to start in October our Bible study this year and it's going to be in 1 Peter and I'm so excited. I just can't even wait. And 1 Peter 1.4 tells us that it's an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, that's reserved in heaven for you. The more that your heart is stirred toward the things of God, the more that you willingly offer yourself here to be used, whether you feel inadequate or not, the more heavenly, incorruptible reward is kept waiting for you. Would we not get distracted in the delaying of the coming back of Jesus and make a silly calf with our possessions and our talents? I was talking to a family member who's not walking with the Lord right now. And I was talking to them and I said, but Jesus is coming back so soon. And she said to me, we've been saying that our whole lives and it hasn't happened. And I said, right, because it's at an hour you're not expecting. The Bible says that. If you're waiting for him to come, thinking that he's going to come, maybe it's not the time. It's an hour that you're not expecting. Don't forget to watch. Do you ever look up at the clouds and just think, are those the clouds you're coming back in? Are these the ones? Are you ready? Because he's surely coming back. The coming of Jesus and heaven are more real and tangible than anything that we could touch in this room. The coming back of Jesus is more sure than anything that you could place your hope in or your money on in this life. So what is stirring your heart tonight and what is using your talents? Because you use your talents every day. It just depends on what you're using them for and who you're using them for and why you're using them. Again, taking that most mediocre of tasks and turning it into a heavenly sacred moment by saying, God, this is in your hands. Is it a lasting passion that stirs your heart? Is it a heavenly thing that stirs your heart? Or is it a silly calf of this world that is going to cause anger, regret, death, and sickness, and how quickly we, come, we become distracted by them, don't we? Maybe you're here today, and God doesn't have a hold of your gifts and your talents. Maybe you used to be passionate about serving Him, but maybe you got upset. Maybe you were serving tirelessly, and the overseers of the ministry didn't think to say thank you. Maybe you were trying to serve and you didn't feel like you were wanted. Maybe you got betrayed by somebody in the church and now you're never going there again. Not doing that again. I learned my lesson. Maybe he used to have you, but the things that he's miraculously done for you have slowly begun to belong to the world. He wants it back tonight. 
He wants to use you for his kingdom. He wants to be able to reward you. He's calling you right now. <laughs> Answer the call. Maybe you've never been used by God that you know of. Maybe you didn't even know that he wanted to use you. Maybe you didn't even know that you could do something simple for his glory and that he would use it for his kingdom and reward you. Oh, he can. Read 1 Corinthians 12. He's got a plan for you. Read Jeremiah 29, 11. He's got a purpose for you being here. Maybe you are used by God day in, day out, and you start to feel like a rug that's dirty in front of a toilet because you're so tired from being used. And everybody's depending on you and you're juggling everything. Would we remember what Corinthians says? Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Keep pursuing Jesus. When he stirs your heart, would we be those willing vessels in his hands? Would we do what we do by the spirit and by wisdom so that we could bring him glory in all that we are and all that we do? Spirit and the bride say, come If you thirst, come. If you desire him, come. If you long for more of him to be revealed to you, come. If you're weary, if you're worn out, come. We can't serve him when we're weary and worn out. We need his presence. We need that time. We need to come to him to say, am I doing what you're calling me to do? Because each one of these people... If they were spinning goat hair with one hand and they were putting the acacia wood on with the other hand and they were trying to paint the gold with the other hand, it wouldn't have worked. And sometimes we're weary because we're doing things that other people need to do. So other people, step up. We're exhausted. We need you. (laughs) Ministry leaders, you're welcome. But we can't do it without coming to him daily. That free will offering, Lord, here I am today. What do you want me to do today? That's one of the little sections when I, I, I like I told you, I read the one-year Bible and, and it's a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. And I think I've done it for the last 20, 20 something years. And, um, and when I, I write those down and, and I also write on my notebook, what do you want me to do today? And I'll spend time praying specifically over that section. And whatever he puts in my heart, that's what I write down. And there are a thousand things that I go to bed not having done in a day, like I'm sure you do too. But if I've accomplished my list, my things that God told me to do specifically, then I know I've done what I was supposed to do. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 17 when it was almost time to go back to the Father? He said, I've completed the work which you gave me to do. Don't you and I want to be able to say that at the end of our days? I've completed the work that you gave me to do. Lord, would you stir our hearts? 
Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, sometimes out of fear, well, probably all the time out of fear. Lord, many times feeling inadequate. Many times unsure of how it's going to look, how it's going to practically work, what even it practically is. (laughs) But Lord, we want to come to you tonight as free will offerings. Lord, we don't want to set our own agenda We don't want to grow weary as you delay your coming, as the days grow long. Lord, we don't want to waste a single moment. We want to redeem the time for the days are evil. Lord, would you remind us to come to you evening and morning and at noon? Bring that free will offering of ourselves to you. It's our reasonable service is what your word says. In light of how you gave yourself to us, for us, to us, in light of how you walk through us, in light of the fact that you haven't left us orphans, but that you've left us with the spirit that is our comforter, that is our guide. Lord, in light of the fact that you were crucified for us. God, would we be crucified for you that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus, you gave your life for us. Would we give our life for you? And Lord, you provide everything that we need. You will provide in abundance all that we need for your calling. We have all we need for life and godliness. There's not one thing that we lack in obedience in your presence. God, we want to be yours. So tonight, would you call into ministry those girls that you told me you want in ministry? Whatever that means. In churchy ministry, full-time churchy ministry, mission field, or just that you want them to get to their jobs or their schools with the question of how do you want to use me today here in this place, at this store, in this theater, at this Starbucks? Lord, would we look to you to fulfill your calling for us? Would we come to you to seek what you have for us, to seek how you want to use us God, we were created for your good pleasure. And so I pray that it would be good pleasure that we bring to your heart. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.